welcome to the Catholic Nerds Podcast, your mightiest heroes of quality Catholic nerdery. Yes. This is Scott. And Colby. And Mary. And Cody. And tonight we're uh, doing our second phase uh, podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe MCU. Mm-hmm. So, so that means, and y'all... Craig, if I'm wrong, we're going to try and cover tonight Iron Man 3, Thor Dark World, Captain America Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, and, you know, if we have time and um, energy, Ant-Man. Because <laughs> Ant-Man is always an afterthought. <laughs> yes. He really is. Poor guy. But apparently he occurs after Age of Ultron, so it doesn't matter if we cover him tonight or not. Yeah. He's so Lord. confusing. I mean, it's Paul Rudd. <laughs> Paul Rudd's hilarious. <laughs> and doesn't age. He really doesn't. He's the real Star Lord. <laughs> Have y'all noticed that? Like, he, he doesn't age. He hasn't changed at all. Nope. Since he married Phoebe Buffay. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the first movie we even saw. He married uh, uh, Lisa Kudrow? In Friends. In Friends. Oh, I guess. That's you. like a big spoiler. That's like oh, the last no. thing that happens in the whole series. Oh, dang it. My you bad. You haven't seen it. It's a good thing Valerie and I are still in half of season one. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're going to forget it by then. You haven't okay. even gotten to Stinky Cat yet. <laughs> I'm really <Smelly> sorry. <laughs> I'm the worst. So one interesting thing uh, I found out about um, Iron Man 3, mm-hmm. that uh, the Mandarin... They yeah. had originally, the director originally was thinking the Mandarin was going to be a woman. Hmm. Kind of a Remington Ooh. Steel kind of thing. But, um, yeah, not that whole Ben Kingsley twist thing. Oh, but the uh, Ben Kingsley was twist was kill- so uh, great. <laughs> yeah. And I liked how they are just like, you know, we're just going to completely disregard conventions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That whole exchange, I mean, for conventions in terms of, like, like what would you, describe what you mean in terms of conventions? Well, the comic they're... book story first right. off, um, any kind of uh, reference to um, uh, terrorists. The, <laughs> well, Avengers happening. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, like any of the um, like uh, like the 2012, like the original Avengers. Like they don't really reference that. And it ju- that was the movie just before this. Well, they referenced it once. What what was the in one of the videos? Oh, well, in one of the uh, the videos. Oh, like New York City was destroyed he, or something. Yeah, he he, he comments on New York and like and, and the aliens and the aliens and things like well, that. Well, yeah, that's true because yeah. I mean he is suffering from PTSD from all that too. Right, so, they talk yeah. about the wormhole a lot. And... Yeah. And so, so yeah, and yeah, the wormhole. <laughs> it's referenced the, throughout the movie, and but like in all this, you know, terrorist attack, you know, like couldn't he have called on um, the other guys? You know, they never, they never referenced it. That's what strikes me in almost every standalone <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah, is you know why not get help? Why are you on your own here? And I mean, it makes sense, like Thor Ragnarok, because. Incredible whole, sure. Uh, you know they're like banished. They were, they were in space. Right. Yeah. That one makes sense. Almost every Thor, it makes a certain. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. well, no, I guess I guess Thor too. It's like this whole alignment thing. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The alignment, the alignment of the world. Of the, world. The, the ether. You, yeah, 
Like, yeah, he definitely seems like you could have called on some of your pals for this massive intergalactic problem. Yeah. But But no, Thor's the man. He took care of it himself. That's right. Mm -hmm. Took the subway, took public transportation. Got a haircut from Stan Lee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did he? That was in Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah, that was Ragnarok. (laughs) Not the Dark World. Come on, Scott. But with the Dark World was the elves. With the Ben Kingsley With the Ben Kingsley thing, just the fact that A, we're we're so used to Ben Kingsley being a serious character, you know? So uh, for me, at least, it never crossed my mind that he was anything other than a serious character, but also like that he's a, or we think he's a terrorist, you know? So to take him and suddenly make him this funny, it's like one of my favorite exchanges in any of the Avengers movies is that whole thing between Iron Man and, and Ben Kingsley's character. What, walk that, us through that. What was that exchange? Uh, basically, he finds him, and he's still thinking he's the Mandarin that he's a terrorist, and, <laughs> and he's walking out. Of and the he's bathroom. walking out of the bathroom, and he's like, "I wouldn't go in there for twenty minutes if I was you, ladies." <laughs> oh, you know. Um, and he he whips out a gun and says, um, like he, a few different things get said, but he's like, "You have thirty seconds to live. Fill it with words." Um, <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Well, I was I was hooked on drugs, and I." You know, I was doing. I was living on the street and doing things that a man shouldn't do. And he's like, "Next, <laughs> keep talking." <laughs> he's like, and then they came to me and they offered me all this stuff. You know, anyway. And he's basically so t- offering Robert Downey Jr.'s biography. Yeah, <laughs> and that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> Maybe I don't know enough about Robert Downey he, Jr. He, apparently, biography. he lived on the street for a while. Um, and did things did, a man did, shouldn't I don't do. know about that part, okay. but the drugs for sure. Right. But uh, and Sometimes right, I confuse yeah. Hugh Grant and Robert Downey Jr., who both kind of disappeared for a while, you know? Between <laughs> like a mix of drugs and prostitutes, but... Oh my gosh. You know, Robert Downey Jr. was huge in my 80s movies, right? And then it's just, poof, gone. Mm-hmm. And then he came back. Yeah. With a vengeance. With very much vengeance. With, with Avengers. With Avengers. <laughs> right. Uh, with uh, Avengers. <laughs> Which, in the comic books, do they do? Because I'm like, I was thinking the other day, I'm like, they do precious little avenging. Like, if you know what I mean. Like, like they're protecting. They're saving. They're, you know... They're not yeah. particularly getting vengeance, which I'm totally cool with them not doing that. But well, the Defenders team was already that name was taken, mm. <laughs> is it? <laughs> or otherwise used? You know, I guess Avengers probably came first. Well, not to jump ahead, but in the uh, in Captain Marvel, I mean, was the what was the program called? Was it the Defenders? It was the Avengers. No, 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 no. It was no, called something else, and then he changed else. it. Oh yeah, yeah. He 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 did change it. I don't remember what it was called. It God, was I just saw that. Confession, yeah. I have not seen Captain Marvel yet. Oh, All right, you can God. leave. <laughs> what did Why? you think of it, Colby? I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you were, we were expecting, you know, most people just have the expectation, like, female lead is going to be about feminism and all that. No, it was done very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I guess I guess we're far enough out that I can say some of the like some spoilers. Some some spoilers. <laughs> like one of the big things that I didn't like was that Marvel. Yeah. Let me put my earmuffs woman. one second. Right, I'm pretty right. sure we said that on a previous podcast. We might have podcast. said that on a previous podcast. Oh yeah, well that comes out of the comics and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
well, no, Marvel was not a woman in the comics. Oh, Marvel's a woman in the movies. Marvel is a woman in the movie. Yeah, yeah. That that was. And, well, I thought Jude and, Law was supposed to be Marvel. No, mm-hmm. I think maybe they were trying no. to make us think that's Jude who he Law was. At was first. Um, he was the bad guy. Oh, I'm mm. trying to remember his name. He he's Marvel's arch nemesis. Which like, that was another like clever casting thing, like with yeah. the Ben Kingsley thing that they cast Jude Law. I mean, I, I realize he's probably played bad guys before, but it's not as common for him to yeah, play yeah. bad guys. And they cast the evil guy from um, the Star Wars movie and the Ready Player One movie. What's his name? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As the good guy. And as soon as he walked out, I was like, oh, the evil guy, the guy who's always evil. Yeah, and right. he wasn't. <laughs> so they, they, at least on me, maybe I'm just naive, but I was like, oh, they pulled a fast one on me. Look at them mm. go. Why can't I remember his name? It's not Iraq. It's no, yeah, Sorrento. Ben Mendelsohn. That's it. Ben Mendelsohn. Yep. Taylor. Yeah, and I'd like to talk for a second about just poor Ben Kingsley. I mean, his career. I mean, I guess some people would say it hasn't taken a massive downslide, but it seems like it has. Like from Gandhi. Right, which you know, like the after that maybe Rising Sun. I mean, he just he wasn't in anything after that. He those. was in he was in um, Night at the Museum like three. Yeah, I think he was in oh Exodus. He's in Schindler's uh, List. Oh yeah, that's right. Shin, Shin, that was the like other good you know acting role he's had. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the Mandarin, you know, the face of the Mandarin is Gandhi. <laughs> right. That's crazy. <laughs> well, it's kind of remarkable how many, like the fact that he played a Jewish man in Schindler's List and an Indian mm. man in Gandhi. Like he has kind of a very... No. So he played all these diverse roles. Makes you think yeah. of uh, Gary Oldman. Yeah, yeah. You don't I'm even done. recognize him in some stuff. No. Have you all seen him in the thing about um, Churchill? Winston yes. Churchill? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. It was hard to recognize him. It was good. He's so good. Darkest Hour. Yeah. The first thing I know Gary Oldman from is The Fifth Element. Yes. Okay, so that used to be one of my favorite movies. And yeah. then it wasn't until The Dark Knight and stuff came out that I really started paying attention to him. Mm-hmm. And then went back and looked at all his filmography and I was like, wow, how has this guy not won all the awards? Right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was in I first, more of a family name. <laughs> yeah. I started going back through, like, wow, this guy looks familiar-ish um, with Sirius Black, you know, when, when he yeah. you know was in Harry Potter. He, um, one of the first things I ever saw him in, there's this movie called JFK. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if any of y'all have seen it. It's basically all about the trial that happened in New Orleans about... That's the Stone from, movie? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, so yeah. basically, like the conspiracy theory. Yeah, with Kevin Costner, and he played. Um, I cannot think of the name. No. I just keep thinking John Wilkes Lee Booth, Harvey and that Oswald. is not right. Yes, yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, so yeah, that's the first thing I ever saw him in was playing a skinny little assassin. He was the voice of Ruber in Quest for Camelot. Is he anywhere in the Marvel? Universe. I was about to say we need to get back on track. Things. That was nice. a nice little. <laughs> no, nice. I actually was just curious. Yeah, he's DC with Dark Knight Rises. He's Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, I think he might be too oh, popular right. in the DC universe to use in the Marvel universe. Yeah, that's a good question. Who's been in both? 
Well, Ryan Reynolds. Right as off the bat. Deadpool and as, as Green Lantern. Green Lantern, although he wants oh. to forget the Green Lantern never happened. Yeah, right. Um, but there's also another guy that's in both. Zachary um, Levi. Zachary Levi is in Who's both. This? So he's Flynn Rider in Tangled, and he was he took over the role of one of Thor's friends in the second Thor movie. The one that fights with the, the swords. It had been like the more proper swords. British guy. It had been played by the guy who ended up being Prince Charming on the Once Upon a Time series. And when he went to do that, he he left the Thor franchise. So they replaced him with Zachary Levi. Yeah. Um, oh, there is Ben Affleck uh, with uh, Daredevil, Daredevil and um, uh, Batman, right? Yeah. And then uh, let me I d- I double check. Uh, oh, but yeah. Zachary Levi is Shazam. That's where that was going. Yeah, Zachary oh, okay. Levi is also yeah. Shazam. And I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Jamon Hunsu. Okay. Uh, he is one of the... Um, Cree. The Cree. In Captain Marvel and Guardians of the Galaxy, he plays and, Korath, right? And uh, Captain America himself. What? I'm just realizing. Oh this. yeah, and Captain America as, as well. He was, uh, um, but like the, the guy I'm talking about, Human Torch, I think. He was, uh, but that's still Marvel. Oh, huh? Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> come on, Scott. But uh, I just like how Cody says it so nonchalantly. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> he's also in Shazam. Uh, he plays the wizard in Shazam, and I think he was in another DC movie, if I'm not mistaken, because I was like, wait, he's DC, what's he doing? Wait, he's here, wait, what's going on? But, um, maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't look like it. But he was also in Gladiator. Uh, like this guy's in in a lot of awesome movies. There's some where it just, like, doesn't count. Like, you know, Josh Brolin, you know, as Thanos... Mm-hmm. But then he's, <laughs> he's like also in Jonah Hex, you know, which you know, well, which isn't he in the Deadpool? He's movies? also in Deadpool movies. He's Kate, uh, Marvel. Which I... <laughs> What's his name? Oh, that is Marvel. Uh, he was yeah. Becky. Cable. 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 Yeah, yeah. Which isn't technically the bad guy, but I just think I it's so Cable. weird that he within a year was in two Marvel. Movies. Was the villain in two Marvel? <laughs> he wasn't the villain. Oh, he I wasn't just the said. villain. Okay, <laughs> yeah, no. No, Cable's like one of my favorite. From, Cable's an like, awesome character. Like the Fox Kids, um, yeah. Uncanny X Men. Uncanny X Men. Yeah, him and Bishop really were great. Yeah. Speaking of Josh Brolin, have y'all seen one of the theories as to how Thanos would be defeated? No. Maybe. <laughs> I did read the uh, old comics on the Infinity Gauntlet, but so much, so much is different. I did too. It's it's so different. But so what are you referencing? Everybody's hyping that Ant-Man will be a part of Endgame, right? Well, absolutely. So the theory is Thanos doesn't know Ant-Man exists, and so he will shrink. He will work his way over. He will crawl his way up inside of Thanos and then resume his normal size, making Thanos explode. Explode! Uh, But couldn't that also... I don't think they're going to do that. But it's fun to think about. (laughs) It is fun to think about, but I don't think they're going to do that. But one of the jokes was like right after a lot of people were talking about that there's a video of josh Brolin. i think it was on instagram uh so the joke is like hey man's gonna crawl up his butt right <laughs> yes and so there's a video yeah, of josh Brolin about this Why sitting they- on sitting on a toilet acting like he's straining and the caption is <laughs> thanos preparing to fight ant-man <laughs> there you go. God. i know i think i heard another podcast i'm like why is it why would you automatically assume 
he'd go up that particular orifice. There, right. I mean, he can go through skin cells. You know, it's like, the nostril. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. any of the um, magic school bus routes. You know, <laughs> nice. Speaking of magic school bus, I tried to convince Valerie to dress up as Miss Frizzle for Halloween. She, she didn't think it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to do? Were you going to do the bus? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't know. I hadn't thought about that part. <laughs> I was just thinking it was going to be a couple's costume. So. Anyways, phase two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say real, real quick, uh, you got me very interested in finding out about the uh, people that were in the DC universe and in uh, the Marvel universe mm-hmm. and so there's 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 a number of them but they're counting some of those movies that go way back when yeah um, like Howard the Duck with uh... but James Marsden is one of them apparently uh, who's Cyclops in the X-Men movies he's also in the Superman Returns in 2006 and apparently says... Chris Evans was also one um, but he was in The Losers yeah, in 2010 I, I mean and I was, so was looking Idris at Elba. it yeah, I was looking at the list, you know, when I said Chris Evans, but gotcha. uh, you know when us when <laughs> it was Fantastic one. Four, I was like, oh, that's something. And then I saw the losers, I'm like, well, that's just gonna compound me being a loser, <laughs> so I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, no, but there, there's there's a number of them that uh, there's this other guy, Adewell Akinui Baji, was in Suicide Squad and Thor: The Dark a lot World. Of I know. From other I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> with that butchering and, and Lawrence Fishburne you know yeah no, well it's, it's saying that Viver Vendetta is a yeah, DC, DC thing yeah. it is really and Ta- Tao Okamoto okay. why are you going for all those names <laughs> well she was in the Wolverine and yeah. in Batman vs. Superman mm. so that's pretty cool and you're, oh, you already said is that Digimon. the one to Japan that was the one in Japan yeah okay Tommy Lee Jones was in Batman Forever as Two Face, which right. we'd like to pretend Ooh. didn't ever happen, though. Yeah. Although the Riddler, uh, Jim Carrey as a Riddler in that one was pretty awesome. Hey, Jim Carrey as, as anything is phenomenal. Oh, of course, Holly Berry is Catwoman oh, and X Men. Yeah, duh. And Zoe Saldana in The Losers. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! That is one of the questions, though. Is there's like the old school DC stuff count? Because I think some of that stuff they really didn't have. I don't know the same like, oh, like, studio stuff, like Ned Beatty and they're in Superman one and two, right, 1978, right. 1980. As like Otis, people, <laughs> I mean, it's like I think it was like all the hype when Deadpool came out, but it's like, oh my gosh, it's the first already Marvel movie. I'm like, no, it's not. Oh well, no, it's really not. It was the Punisher, and and then they were talking about Black Panther being the first uh, black lead in a Marvel movie. No, Blade Trinity. Or Blade, oh, yeah, the true, Blade yeah. series trilogy, right. like don't forget about my boy Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes, boy, <laughs> <laughs> not paying his taxes. Oh, pay those taxes. But no, and, that, I mean, there's I, also I recently watched that trilogy again, uh, like last year. It, it's so great. The first but, and second one were good. I think it was the third one was it was <laughs> got a little iffy. But yeah, well, Ryan Reynolds was also on that. <laughs> That's true. He was. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, he had a, just everywhere. He he's ubiquitous. He's a time you know he lord. Owns, you know he owns a gin distillery now? He oh, owns what? Uh, oh, he owns yeah, a, a gin distillery. Did you see the commercial he did with, uh, yes. <laughs> with Hugh Jackman? Yes. 
That's hysterical. Oh my. Yes. Have you seen it, Scott? Oh, that's where they're trading back and they're each doing yeah. commercials for, yeah, for each other. Funny. Thanks. It, it cost a million dollars. It cost a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so but I, I find it funny on this list, the only two movies that are listed for Ryan Reynolds are Green Lantern and Deadpool. Yeah. Like, they completely said, we're forgetting about Wolverine Origins. It ain't happening. Well, and I'm not seeing on this list, and don't expect to... Um, uh, swamp Thing, <laughs> you know, like in the '80s, you had a Swamp Thing movie, and I think yeah. a Return of Swamp Thing too. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, that was a fun little side. Uh, so back to Phase Two. Yeah. Um, so what more can we say about Iron Man Three? Any last well, juice to squeeze out? One thing is that they, it was a portrayal of like someone with PTSD. You know, like mm-hmm. that that after um, going through the wormhole in Avengers he's having like panic attacks and stuff so that's kind of neat just that it's you know like it shows that even one of the most successful men in the universe S- seemingly s- semi-invincible you know yeah. has his weaknesses right. and and can suffer from something so traumatic you know and you um, need to deal with that kind of stuff it's not realistic right. if people can you know watch their friends turn to ashes all around them and not have any mental effects. Right. Well, Lingering. we're not even to that part yet, Scott. I was like, one of the synopsis is... <laughs> Calm down. You know, does the man make the suit of the suit make the man? So yeah, it definitely makes him look his own humanity in the face and realize, right. like, yeah. I am not the suit. Um, right. And is it that movie where he sees the video of his dad? No. No. Oh, no, no. You're talking about the one where... His dad left him a message. Yes. Are you talking about the hologram that's thing? That's in two. That's yeah. in two. Okay. The hologram thing is in Civil War. Yeah, that's right, right, right. Yeah. But the Iron Man three, there wasn't a whole lot of his relationship with his dad thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think. It was more. But like, it was more like his relationship with himself and his relationship with Pepper. With, with Pepper, yeah. Uh, and that those were kind of the two main relationships. And happy were, too. Or, and happy, yeah. It, it, it did kind of kind of get unhappy with that yeah <laughs> it's like oh tony really cares and you some know? stuff with like medical ethics like that they're doing this thing to like help yeah, people extremist. regenerate limbs yeah yeah you know like the idea that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should or at least not in not without you know. the proper testing but <laughs> yeah but in the end it's cool because that's why pepper Potts survives <laughs> and right. saves everybody because and gets to be all badass yeah yeah. Pardon my French. And we haven't really seen her since. Well, they've they've but they extracted did, they the serum from the her. Serum. They did say they that. They say that at the end. That's right. And they keep teasing the marriage because you know you see with um, when the two of them are with Peter Parker and they're mm-hmm. like we're going to announce you to the world. Right. And then well, we yeah. got forgot something else to announce. <laughs> now, now Scott, this is a question you might better know. Like, um, it. it, it is she going to be Iron Woman? Is oh, I don't thing? know. I don't know. I, Why would Scott know that? Does he have like? I figured you probably met more relationship than I did. I haven't. Yeah, I'm not, oh, I'm not. I'm I not. I thought you might have known. Like maybe there is a Pepper Potts as Iron Woman or something like that. That's, no, my my uh, comic knowledge for Iron Man is not not is no bueno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't Iron Woman the the nickname for? Um, Margaret Thatcher. 
when she yeah. was yes. Iron Chance, the uh, Iron that's, Lady. That's Bismarck. Never mind. <laughs> it, was, it was the Iron Lady. That's Iron what she was Lady, called. Yeah. And then Iron Maiden. That's a whole nother thing. Right. <laughs> well, look at that. There's. What is that? Cody just pulled up something. There's. I mean, who knows if it's true? Supposedly leaked footage, but it looks so fake. It looks so fake. Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly leaked footage of her in like a suit. But I mean, she's worn the suit before, so it's not that. Out right, of the and he made a suit that is like it's compatible with her. Yeah, he made like, like we saw that in the third movie. Like th- that's another thing in the in the third movie. Whenever the uh, he does call out the Mandarin, the Mandarin comes and attacks. Like Tony, like completely forgets about his own life and throws the suit onto Pepper as they're flying through the mm-hmm. air. Right, mm-hmm. like, and that's probably the only that's thing that kept cool. her alive. Like, and just that that sacrifice of like even though like we know he's he's got his issues he was still like aware enough of his love for pepper or at least it was just so innate and innate which is funny that he threw it onto her which is funny because right before then in the previous scene or maybe a few scenes earlier she comes home and he's so messed up that he can't stop working he's become this workaholic so he's down in the basement working and has a suit upstairs to greet her but she thinks he's in the suit so on the one hand his problems like his issues that he's work that he's not working through have caused him to not fully be present to her in a very tangible way that he's literally not present to her but then when you know the rubber meets the road of like her life is in danger he then takes the suit and like sends it to her i don't know it's just kind of neat yeah literally their house right well not there but their house explodes right? yeah their house sinks yeah <laughs> yeah because he gave them his address yeah bad move tony like a jerk <laughs> like who does that somebody that's suffering from ptsd right <laughs> yeah, yeah he's true, got some yeah. issues going on yeah y'all want to um uh, shift to the much maligned Thor Dark World. We love Thor Dark World. We don't know what why people have you know, an issue with it. I liked it too individually, but for some reason it does seem like it's kind of an outlier. They well, I think a reason a lot of like the general public didn't like it was they went through so many different directors, mm-hmm. all of whom oh, were TV um, directors except for um, Patty. What's her last name? Patty. Patty Jenkins. That sh- so she directed Monster. Like you know, very strong female leads, and then after Thor two, after Thor Dark World didn't work out, she went on to direct a little movie called uh, Wonder Woman. <laughs> Did a pretty good job with that one. But so she had a whole different idea uh, for Thor Dark World. You know that would have used more Natalie Portman, who was coming off her uh, Oscar win with Black Swan. It had been more of a um, like the article I'm reading uh, describes it as a Romeo and Juliet esque space opera. So it'd be more of a you know more more about their relationship because like the first half of the movie is about the relationship and it just doesn't go anywhere. Like the whole movie's waiting for Loki to get freed, you know, or to free himself. Yeah. All the other directors were like Game of Thrones TV episode directors. (laughs) I mean, there's the whole thing about like them finding the the warehouse where like all the laws of physics are. Yeah, like the little jump portals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, was that our keys? (laughs) 
<laughs> he just threw into the portal. Um, that <laughs> guy. So um, funny. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot in Thor, of course, with like Loki somewhat redeeming himself, but not. It, totally. Was this the one where Joss Whedon like um, had uncredited rewrites towards the end, or? kind of touched up the script and just added like probably like that line you just mentioned we're not that nerdy scott (laughs) yeah we don't we don't stick around for the credits scott come on well it was on credits stick around for the credits to watch the cutscenes. yeah we don't actually Mm. read them unless we know somebody that's in them except my cousin (laughs) melissa (laughs) my cousin melissa is the prop master for ant-man nice so i sat there and looked for her name for ant-man 2 so she designed the little building that he's like walking around with, like a rolling suitcase. <laughs> she made that. Oh, that is and, awesome! Uh, I love yeah. that. And a few other things. Oh, pretty much anything that gets thrown in that movie, like the the, the Pez, the Pez dispenser, thing, oh, yeah. like all that stuff, she did. So that's really? my claim to fame: that's is neat. that we're related. So why is she family. not on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, she she's not, and I don't think she'd disagree with this. She's not particularly Catholic, so that would be you know. But hey, we could still talk about we nerdy could still stuff. Talk about nerdy stuff, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to have Kevin Smith on the podcast, and he's a former Catholic, but yeah. Kevin so James. Svartelheim, <laughs> realm of the dark elves. Yeah. So. I, it, it, it's the Dark Lord was. I, I really enjoyed that one, um, mainly because it's it's a good kind of. I don't know. It, it's funny. It's got a good mix of humor and it's got a good mix of action and uh, a little bit of romance there, you know. Um, and, and Loki's and redemption, kind Loki's of. Loki's redemption, yeah. well, not, not necessarily redemption, but his his woundedness. You know, mm-hmm. you really get to see a lot of his woundedness. Uh, and his relationship with his mother, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I guess not not his actual mother, but with his mother, who this woman who he calls his mother his entire time, you know, um, and they have like this relationship. And that's what Thor and him are able to bond over in the movie, you know, and he he pushes what's her face's character, Jane, out of the way and nearly mm-hmm. gets sucked into one of those imploding bomb things and it just occurred to me because like it's kind of completely out of character for him to sacrifice himself for somebody else but it seems like maybe the only way that kind of makes sense is if he knew that his mother had sacrificed herself for jane so that it's like well i'm not gonna let her die now <laughs> you know right, right. <laughs> like after my mom died protecting her that's I remember, uh, frigga um, yeah frigga. frigga i remember we were watching that movie when did it come out and the funeral scene for the mother happens. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Like the... That they put her out on a... They put her out on the boat and then they fire a burning the arrow. Boat. And, they, <laughs> and then they shoot and fire the arrows at all the other people that die. And they release these like floating lanterns. And then they all things. of a sudden they start floating out over the nothingness to enter Valhalla. Um, and we someone said oh i want my funeral to be like this and cody and i were getting married the following year and i was like i kind of want our wedding to be like (laughs) and then then we ended up doing like floating lanterns and a boat exit and stuff you know so that was based off of that basically long story short yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh (laughs) you don't get to talk too many people that incorporated thor the dark world (laughs) wedding do you we're just that awesome (laughs) See, I thought it was uh, well, the didn't think the boat. I know the lanterns were from what Tangle 
Yeah. yeah. Never heard of it. I'm just kidding. It totally, <laughs> it totally was tangled, too. It was all of it. All of them. All of the things. thought about this also, but there is a major difference in conversation between intentionally willing someone to die versus someone dying because of a secondary effect of your decision. Right, right. Right, so with the act of abortion, like you intentionally choose for someone's life to end willingly versus, you know, being put in a situation where you have to choose for one person to live, you're not necessarily willing for that second person to die. And so the principle of secondary effect, you know, is is an application. Right. And that it it also is sometimes you just can't prevent certain things. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like... (laughs) going along with that. that Was it even St. Thomas had said, you know, you're not uh, morally obligated for every good for which you are capable. Right. Right. The the, the proximity, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And that actually you cannot achieve every good of which, you know, like you can't do all the goods. We're limited. (laughs) Do all the goods? (laughs) (laughs) So another... um, you know, c- talking about the dichotomy between, you know, the choice between the Petri dish and toddler, um, it would have been more interesting, I think, if Falcon had been holding, I, if he had to choose between Captain America or Black Widow. Because uh, I've got a quote from the Russos, the directors, I guess they're mm-hmm. brothers, were they? Let me look. Anthony and Joe Russo. Um, and, you know, just about this juxtaposition of uh, Black Widow um, and Captain America. So they say um, she, uh, Black Widow, is a character who lies for a living. That's what she does. Captain America is a character who has a moral sense, has a, uh, who tells the truth. You know, they're going to have different ways of approaching a problem, but it's like you've got a liar and the truth teller. You know, this it's, that's, a, that's a good um, pairing for a movie about morality, right? Especially in the in the midst of uh, government surveillance and overreach. Mm. Yeah, but if you dropped a Captain America, I mean, it wouldn't have really hurt him. So yeah. <laughs> you can say, yeah, same thing about Natasha Romanoff. But you know, maybe she decides well, to keep the red hair instead of become blonde. You know? <laughs> she doesn't have like cellular replication. Powers. That's like you know faster than the speed of I don't know. I don't know what his <laughs> replication is faster than, than She's him. got all them crazy reflexes. She could have just, like, did some crazy spin roll right. and caught herself. Right. That's true. And it was, just to be clear, like, we didn't... Someone else came up with the, like, okay, pro-choice person. Oh, no. Let's like, say it's a black man and a white woman. Like, and I was just like, that's brilliant. If you're a pro-life person that spent, like, half a second on Facebook, <laughs> you've encountered... You saw that one. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I don't mean to speed us along, but, you know, we got to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're, we're an hour and 15 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> you see, the main thing I take away from the first Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, there's... there There's... <sighs> awesome music. Is it the awesome, awesome music? Awesome music, Awesome music, sure. absolutely. Chris Pratt, you. amazing, <laughs> you know. All um, the Chris's, really, All the Chris's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but... Like, it kind of bothers me a bit in Guardians of the Galaxy, like, that 
that there's a lot of violence for violence's sake in, yeah. in Guardians, like like firing guns at people and like ah, you know, like yeah. really reveling in, <laughs> in shooting people. I think uh, Rocky Raccoon's got some anger issues, maybe just a little, just bit. a few. I mean, well, I think they've all that, got some anger issues. Yeah. When you're that small, you have to compensate yeah. for something. <laughs> well, it's not just being small. It's it's abused. Abused. He was. He's oh, the only one of his kind. Out. He's he's an experiment. He was a petri dish, right? At one point, he was a petri dish experiment. Yeah. Like, Even if he's not anthropomorphic, nobody likes raccoons. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Oh, Might as well have rocket possum. <laughs> <laughs> the panda dumpster. Dumpster panda. <laughs> when I was like eight we went to where my dad's from michigan this is gonna be a short tangent i promise there were signs everywhere in like the state park there that said um warning raccoons may carry babies so i was all excited and at some point we're driving along and we see raccoons and i roll down the window and i'm like oh my gosh look at the raccoons and my mom like i've never seen her move so fast lunges like across the car and is rolling up the window like what are you doing i'm like the sign said they carry babies. It's like rabies. <laughs> rabies. <laughs> rabies. Man. Part of that B had rubbed off and made an R. Yeah. Mm. No, I think just I had I had seen what I wanted to see. <laughs> so that's what I think of. But I think they're cute. Come to me, babies yeah. of the forest. Especially, especially in Incredibles too. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, that's that, that could be its own podcast. Oh okay. no. It was all about raising children. Really that whole was. Was. <laughs> yeah. raising babies. Anyway, but back to back to, back to Guardians. nowhere, the remote criminal yeah. outpost in space. Yeah, that freaks me out too. Yeah, the skull. <laughs> so it's like a Titan skull, right? I thought that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, Mary <laughs> didn't like that. So yeah, the the there are various parts. I was like, oh yeah, I can't watch the this Titan again. Skull, like that was. Yeah, that was oh, cool. I was like, I'm gonna leave now, Cody. Tell me, tell me when he's done smashing that guy's head. Well, Thanks. With, yeah, with, with the Guardians, it, it's, it's it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. It, uh, one of the things that that it kind of really highlights is that, um, and unfortunately, like they kind of undid a little bit of it in the second Guardians, but the the strength of teamwork and togetherness. Yeah. It um, felt very communion of saintsy when they all were holding the infinity, the infinity stones. We are Groot. Right. Yeah, the, we are Groot, right. Uh, the whole idea of, of them as a team could harness the power of the infinity stone. Um, however, like the power of communal prayer. Right, the power of communal prayer. Um, but, but it was referenced earlier in the movie that another group had tried to do something similar where they all like, because the the foreshadowing, obviously, they tried to all harness the power together, and it didn't work. I think it was that they were trying to harness the power of all of them together, mm-hmm. like all the stones at once. I thought it was just the one. I could be wrong. Um, but basically, that um, they all worked together to harness the power, and were they able didn't to have use Star Lord. Yeah. They didn't have a Star Lord exactly. Well, and that they're so, they that are. The <laughs> They're family, right? There's no one. Most, I mean, yeah, Gamora's got a sister, you know, Amy Pond from Doctor Who, but <laughs> who looks so incredibly not like herself. Oh, I know. Me, like, I only just found out it was her like last month that that's the actress <laughs> playing her, and she's done that in another. I can't remember, but anyway, 
Yeah, I mean, they don't have, like, you know, Hawkeye's like, hey, you guys have fun. I'm going to go hang out with my family, you know, do, you know, split some logs and stuff. No, like, this, mm-hmm. that's all they have. Like, you know, they, Peter Quill's family, um, <laughs> some of it's gone, right? The, ter- this really sad story of his mother, and then, you know, his dad, as we find out in the sequel, is a little egomaniacal. <laughs> mm. Ah, ego. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of a head being an entire planet, right? <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Because in the comics, like it was e- ego or ego, however they said it was. Right. His head was a planet. And I guess yeah. In the movie, it's the same way. Maybe now, like, one of the um, really cool things I thought in the in the first Guardians wasn't in the first Guard. No, it was in the second one. Yeah. Um, it's tough to stay just on the first one. I know, I know. But <laughs> basically, uh, I, I'm going to talk about it for a second just because it, it was really neat. Um, Stan Lee's cameo in that movie, he appeared twice, what right? Was, yeah, I'm forgetting uh, what he's In the, the second Guardian. So he appeared once, and it's the same kind of scene, but he appears once and he is talking with the Watchers. Oh, on, yeah, that's One right. of the planets mm-hmm. as the... Um, Rocket and um, Nebu- no, Rocket and um, Yondu and Groot are kind of like, or not Groot. Um, oh gosh, what's what's Yondu's? Oh no, Yondu's His little, side little sidekick. Oh, the guy from uh, Gilmore Girls and like every show ever. Is he? He also plays like the on-screen Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> um, oh, not Bradley Cooper. Sean not Bradley Gunn. Cooper. Bradley Cooper just does the voice. Which Sean they totally Sean Gunn. That's it. Sean they Gunn. totally modified Bradley Cooper's voice. So we're like, why did they even bother right. getting a big That's name weird. if they were going to run it through a program and like make it unrecognizable? Or hire Vin Diesel to say three words. Yeah. Yeah, but at least that you can kind of tell. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But um, but yeah. So they're they're going through and and he's telling the stories of how he's appeared in these different movies. Like that's what he's describing to the watchers. If you listen, right? He's like, and in this one, I was a postman. You know. Um, oh yeah. And then and then in the end credits. He says something along the lines of, like the watchers start walking away. He's, he says, but wait, I have so many stories to tell. So many more stories to tell. Oh, it's like in memoriam. really hit me in the heart. Yeah. Feels. Yeah. I was like, oh, he has so many more stories to tell. But then kind of the idea of him telling the story to the watchers of how he was in all of these stories. Right. Mm. As the watcher. Yeah, like he is—he is one of the ultimate watchers. And, so and in the comics, they make that explicit, right? I think we might have even talked about that before. About him being one of the watchers. Well, about um, like I think that's ultimately the Asgardians, like the you know because they're gods. Like that's ultimately where their backstory goes, and kind of a weird. I don't know if I like that plot arc, but it's like, yeah, we're in the minds of the writers. <laughs> Just a little too, um, you know, meta. Yeah. So I'm just. Re- oh yeah, yeah. We talked about the uh, the Deadpool yeah. thing yeah. in the minds of the writers. Deadpool realizing, yeah, it's that's hilarious. I'm just realizing, James Gunn and um, Sean Gunn are brothers. What I don't know why that took me so long. 
James Gunn, the director of um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Frantically Google's oh, names. Oh, really? Yeah. Which, oh, that's so funny. And they just kind of let him be himself with this movie, you know? Like, he hadn't really done... Well, he did um, He did a superhero oh, wow. movie with Rain Wilson, Dwight, from The Office. Well, he's married mm-hmm. to Jenna Fisher. Oh, wow. Ooh, so many... I knew that. I didn't just discover that on Google. I knew that on <laughs> James all Gunn is? Or Sean yeah, Gunn. That's what it's that James wow. Gunn married so to. That's what. Jenna oh, Fisher. maybe they're divorced. Maybe they're divorced. Oh, update. Update. But he did. Yeah, he did Super. Um, not they Super Eight that um, Spielberg did. You know about the kids recording a, a video of monsters or aliens. Right. But the movie Super, where Rain Wilson Dwight is a superhero, <laughs> which is <laughs> and it throws that's a lot fun. of the um, superhero tropes at the window and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. So you're saying yeah. he's the brother of who? Um, uh, Sean Gunn, who Yondo's, plays Yondu's um, sidekick. sidekick. Yeah, because he he looks similar to him. Definitely yeah. some facial. And, and then Sean, um, which I I I think I only knew him before because Ashton, you know, my wife watches um, watches Gilmore Girls religiously. I'm like, oh hey, that guy's in a superhero movie now. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, before this, besides Super, he had done like Dawn of the Dead, like the remake of Dawn of the Dead, which was not so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I'm just a fan of zombie movies. So yeah, no, I, I mean, it doesn't take much to satisfy me, but, you know. <laughs> right. The original Dawn so, of the Dead is my favorite. So, Guardians. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> Reel me back in. <laughs> we got three just, minutes. Just oh, a, couple, a couple quick things. That I'll say really fast. The or that's the first. It's the first time we see Thanos within the plot, as opposed to like an after credit scene mm-hmm. of a movie. We also get the kind of origin story of the Infinity Stones in that movie, so it's kind of critical sure. With the in that way. And yeah, and it definitely looks. It looks and sounds like what you were saying, kind of like the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's like in the beginning, yeah. these yeah. stones happen. I feel it in the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, there's just, you know, kind of a the common theme throughout a lot of the movies, like of self-sacrifice and mm. stuff. You know, like he's, he almost sacrifices himself for Gamora. I mean, he, he, he could have died. He could have died. He, yeah. he went out of his spaceship and like he had a put, plan, his, but he put his space helmet on Gamora, you know, and then kind of ruins it by bragging about it <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> That's pretty great. And really, uh, Gamora, you know, getting into the sequel, but like and and uh, Avengers um, Infinity, you know the second Avengers Infinity. Um, her plot arc is one of the best. I mean, it's one of the ones with the most like yeah. pathos to it. You know, yeah. yeah. Let's not go there yet. Yeah, let's not go there yet. Let's, <laughs> let's finish up Guardians That's of the Galaxy and then go to Age of Ultron. Crud, crud, we, we need to talk about night. Age of Ultron. There's so much. I know. Okay, okay, we've yeah. got two minutes. <laughs> yeah, not to yes. jump too far ahead, but whenever in Captain Marvel. Ronan popped up. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> he's back!" Yeah, we yeah. they could have done a lot more with Ronan. I was a little disappointed. Well, he, well they, oh, they still have the opportunity. To. Excellent, they do. They do. Well, there's definitely a gap between what you see in Captain Marvel and what you see in the first Guardians. Exactly. Um, not to give it away, Scott. So plug your ears again. But you're most. 
Well, and Captain Marvel, I mean, it was kind of tricky too because once you've seen all the other movies and you catch like two or three little small things, they're like, oh, we already know the, where this guy comes from. Or, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was really good, but there were a few things where like they kind of backtrack. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, as soon as I saw Ronan, he's like, oh, oh yeah, because the like, Kree the are going to be he's really the Kree. important. Yeah, that's right. Right. Well, well before, sorry, again, spoiling it, but like <laughs> before they give away. You know the Kree are the bad guys. Like Ronan pops up, and I'm like, we already know he's a bad guy. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> Let me put two well, also, and two together. It also, to me, was a little strange that in in Guardians, the Kree are wearing clothes that are kind of look like they're going to run fest, you know. <laughs> Whereas in um, Captain Marvel, they're wearing like kind of Star Trek looking, um. like they're heading to Comic Con. Um, <laughs> well, no, Ronan's character he's only does. Ronan. So him, he, was, he yeah. looks like a Sith Lord. No, also well, him, the him and the other guy in the scene with the ship, they were wearing like what he was wearing in the other movies. It was only the the other one, like the soldiers that were wearing the futuristic stuff. Well, the the African American guy whose name I don't know, who's in both Hunsu. I'm pretty sure in in Captain Marvel he's wearing kind of trekky looking stuff, like space suit looking stuff, whereas mm-hmm. in um. In Guardians, he's wearing something that looks more like something out of Thor. A little bit, I, but I could be—I could be wrong. Not, not to get in the middle of mommy and daddy fighting, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lee Pace—you know the guy that plays Ronan the Accuser. Um, guess who? What part he originally auditioned for? Star Lord. Star Lord. He for Peter Quill. <laughs> oh my gosh! That would have been interesting. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> and I feel like, like all, oh, everyone in the office audition he'd be Michael. And oh, yeah. Steve Perot gets it. <laughs> and then everybody ends up playing that role in the end anyway. Like, why oh, would you want to play that role? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you avoid it. Because he's the greatest sitcom character of all time. All time, 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 uh... time. Okay. And Age of Ultron. Yeah. So Age of Ultron. Mary, you want to take us through your um, Cliff's Notes? <laughs> Pro-life um, Cliff's Notes. I mean, we talked a little bit in the last podcast about how each major villain has kind of like what you might call like an anthropological heresy, almost. Mm-hmm. Like, like Loki is like... I mean, Loki just wants domination, but he talks about like, oh, you guys, you know, don't really want freedom, you want subjugation and Ultron um, Ultron basically is kind of coming at it from a perspective of like things are too painful, like you guys suck so much that we're just gonna end it (laughs) we're just gonna say to heck with y'all and and be done Um, and he and Vision kind of have a discussion about that right yeah mm-hmm. yeah well it's kind of fascinating that like um i, I try I, i'll try not to see everything through pro-life eyes next time but for today um that a lot of pro-choice people i think kind of are like it's too painful or too risky to welcome this baby into the world bad things right. might happen yeah i don't want to bring kids into this world yeah right like we've so never heard that before right so therefore i'm willing to exact carnage you know not that they necessarily realize it but like i'm i met a woman during my time in college 
who confided in me that she had lost a baby to SIDS. So then the next time she got pregnant, she aborted it because she couldn't face the pain of losing another baby to SIDS. Um, now I realized that like Abby Johnson, like all those people, I'm sure she didn't realize like what abortion was doing, but still like the idea of, Oh, this is too painful. Ergo, I'm going to do something very painful. Right. So it's kind of bananas in Ultron, how he, he can perceive the pain of our fallen state and yet is so sort of ice veined (laughs) to what it is he's planning to do of just killing all of us, you know? It's kind of contradictory somewhat, but at the same time, we see it amongst our own people at the same time, you know? Yeah. So not to um, counterpoint Mary's profundity with uh, the complete lack thereof, (laughs) um, (laughs) but y'all know where all these office references, allusions have been leading to, right? No. Remember who plays Ultron? Jason Spader. James oh, Spader. Right. <laughs> right? Who ultimately... <laughs> Robert California. That's right. <laughs> who was also super narcissistic and controlling. Right. He, the that whole was just a precursor to Ultron. He that. had many anthropological heresies. <laughs> he just has a voice that controls. Yeah. Kind of mesmerizing. <laughs> yeah. People listen. Yeah. I think you're doing that right now, Colby. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope people are listening. Well, there's a great line in the movie when Scarlet Witch says Ultron can't tell the difference between saving the world and destroying it. Yeah. And it just struck me as like like how many people world leaders are we surrounded by who who kind of have that problem, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. Like, no, that's a Like we need to save the planet by killing all the humans. Like <laughs> To what end? <laughs> what does that do for us, exactly? Yeah, this planet would be so much better if it just didn't have any humans on it. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, and there's another great line, Vision, when they ask Vision what side he's on. Um, which is something I had never noticed before, and I could be wrong, but I noticed this go-round that Vision's kind of looking at Thor as his costume develops yeah. on his body and suddenly poof, there's a cape oh, <laughs> so, <nice. laughs> so it's almost as though like oh i guess that's how people dress <laughs> yeah yeah that is not um, in the first dr strange oh, is also looking on yeah yeah no i'm just kidding um, well, speaking of vision too this is also where uh after the reception thor's hammer was on the table and everybody's making fun of him like yeah. oh my gosh it's just a trick here's where we read one of the theories about because if you look close enough, you can see Cap, like, nudges it. Moves yeah, it. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So one yeah. of the theories is, like, Cap actually could pick it up. He just chose not to in order not to embarrass Thor. Ah, interesting. Because I had thought when I saw him, like, what about Cap? Mm-hmm. Would make him Wouldn't unworthy. Be worthy. Right. Like, it seems to me like his personality is actually kind of purer yeah. than Thor's. You know, not that, a, not that Thor is a bad guy, but... I have a yeah. sweet quote um, from Hercules. It's... And it's in, in the well, not the movie. It's Captain America comic book four four four, but it's Hercules speaking, and he says, "On Olympus, we measure wisdom against Athena, speed against Hermes, power against Zeus, but we measure courage against Captain America." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good. I bet what I was going to say before that I forgot was that so they ask Vision what side he's on. 
and Vision says, I am on the side of life. Ultron, Ultron isn't. He will end it all. And just, it was like, oh my gosh, that, you know, it doesn't get more pro-life than that. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. awesome. <laughs> and also the fact that Vision gets described in the movie as like Ultron's vision and Thor's vision. Like, maybe, I, maybe I'm just silly and miss things that are painfully obvious in, in movies, but I thought Vision was named Vision because of his vision. Not, and I didn't realize the first go-round that it's like he is the product, sort of, of visions of other people, other people. you know, or other entities, in a sense. So this is kind of a crazy side note cameo, but in, and this is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but... Um, Vision later, like in future, 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 becomes mainframe. Mm-hmm. And mainframe actually appears in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And do you know who voices mainframe? No. Miley Cyrus. <laughs> what? Wait, mainframe yeah. in Galaxy 2? Yeah, yeah. So you go from this vision who has this, you know, this. this can be so profound and then <laughs> his future like incarnation the most dignified voice ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> to the to the child of achy breaky billy cyrus right <laughs> wrecking ball oh god don't remind My me cyrus. <laughs> okay <laughs> a couple last lines from age of ultron that i thought were great Captain America says, you get killed, walk it off. And that just felt like sort of a Christian mantra, sort of. It's <laughs> like a little Robitussin in it. <laughs> you die to yourself, walk it off. Oh, um, nice. I was like how they used to, with St. Paul, like, you're Christian, right? We're going to kill you. All right, well, to die is to gain. Right. All yeah. right, then we'll let you live. All right, to live is Christ. Like. <laughs> right. Uh, which Ultron also has the line about the Sokovia going up in the air. He says, you know, like the irony that you rise only to fall and how that's kind of like the opposite of the Christian belief, you know, that we fall to rise. Um, Thanks, Robert, California. Yeah. Um, Oh, that Hawkeye tells Scarlet Witch, like, it doesn't matter who you are or what you did, but you go out there and you fight. And um, just that Scarlet Witch and Black Widow both kind of have sort of Mary Magdalene feels to them a little bit, you know, like... They have a past. Mm -hmm. The woundedness. They have a past, but like now they're 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 kicking Kicking stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It rhymes with they had a past. Now they're kicking bottoms. (laughs) Doesn't quite Um, rhyme. Grass while they're walking (laughs) in the yard. Um, and last thing that we have yet again, Captain America and double effect. (sighs) That um, that they're thinking they're going to have to blow Sokovia up with people still on it. Right. Right. To save the world, because if it falls intact, it'll wipe out the humanity. Planet. And um, so that in in jumping ahead just a little bit for the sake of context, that in Infinity Wars, Captain America is not willing to directly kill Vision to save everybody. Right. But in this case, he's willing to blow up a whole city with a bunch of people in it to save the world. But it's because what what would be the act blowing up the rock that's going to kill everybody a secondary effect a bunch of people dying but that is not the intended you know thing and it was again kind of the only at the time seemed the only seemed the only way out option because they didn't know that 
that Nick Fury was going to be coming with a bunch of uh, evacuation evacuation tools. Cars, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, well, our only option to save the world is this. Whereas, again, jumping ahead into to Infinity War uh, is we don't know what the only option is. The only option is not to kill Vision. It, we can fight. <laughs> you know, like there's some still of us that will option. die, but we don't kill our friends. Or to, we don't kill people. To, we don't kill right. We don't kill people. What well, is the line? We don't deal in death. Or... Right. Yeah. We don't trade trade lives. So yeah, that's all I got. End of my notes. <laughs> all right. So thank you for nerding out with us, the Catholic nerds. This is Scott Smith and Colby and Mary and I have been Cody. <laughs> Please do subscribe to this podcast and share it with all your friends, Catholic or not. Fans and of leave five star reviews. Yes. Fans of Marvel, fans of DC, whatever. And remember, don't make him angry. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. Stop talking about me, Scott. <laughs> so, yeah, I. There's not a whole lot to say about Thor: The Dark World. Um, <laughs> Clearly, because we're all struggling. Now, I will say, I will say for the character design, Malakath. Jumping ahead, oh, the scroll from Captain Marvel and the Dark Elves practically looked exactly the same. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, the, the cursed or whatever. No, I wouldn't say. <laughs> the scroll is there. They're characteristically green, mm-hmm. first off. One of the um, colors different. I'm saying yeah. when you look like their facial features and the ears and maybe uh, some. You, are you saying like no. Malekith or I think the, um, the scroll the usually had kind of a fatter, a fatter face, whereas they the looked a little more a reptilian. Slim. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're all okay. aliens, no. so they have, uh, have kind of Vulcan-like ears. I can, I can see it. I guess in the ears, that would be the only scroll. Colby, are you saying that all aliens look alike? Racist. (laughs) Yes, I am spacist. (laughs) Spacist. (laughs) You've seen a phobicist. Cody just typed in scroll versus dark elf. (laughs) When are we getting to the scrolls? I feel like I've been waiting on them for a long... Are they in Captain Marvel? They're They're in Captain Captain Marvel. Okay, good. Which Um, I... Scroller alert. Scroller alert. Oh, that's the best joke (laughs) from... That should be the title of the podcast. (laughs) Scroller alert. Uh, Be prepared. They're um, being told to shh. Just that you're going to wake up the kids. Oh, that I'm wake up the kids. Okay. Um, I mean, kids? What kids? We don't have kids. (laughs) Basically, one one of the, the 
storylines that I really enjoyed with the scrolls was the, uh, and I think I might have mentioned this before, but was the secret invasion scroll um, storyline, um, which basically in the comics they invade all of the superheroes. So like, you don't know which super superhero is the actual superhero or if it's a scroll. Right, mm-hmm. because they're shapeshifters, right, and it's a really, really good story, and so I was really looking forward to that. Um, but unfortunately, they and they could still do it, but they've set the scrolls up as a um, as refugees, basically um, running from war, um, like trying to find a home, running from war, and so it doesn't seem that they're going to make scrolls be some sort of evil race um which is kind of an unfortunate aspect of it because they're like one of the because <laughs> you enjoy evil uh, no, it, you just because they're one of the, they're one of the better marvel villains like marvel alien villains well i mean there could be another group hiding out there, there definitely you know? could well, maybe definitely could. okay scott pull gears okay earmuffs okay <laughs> <laughs> maybe they set up the whole movie like that so they can have a ridiculous unforeseen comeback and just throw everyone for a loop. Yeah. Maybe. It's possible. Because I was, I was, honestly, at a few parts of the movie, I was like, wait a minute, this ain't real. Well, because I thought that mm-hmm. Captain, that they were a little too trusting of them, that they're like, actually, mm-hmm. we're refugees, yeah. and you should help us by taking us to this massive weapon. Right. Okay, <laughs> let's like, go. Was, yeah, that was way too easy. Hey, refugees yeah. get what they want. All right. <laughs> Unless they're Syrian and they have to come to the United States. Yeah, unless they're really... Uh, never mind. <laughs> Which, it all worked out very well, you know. <laughs> Just, I was expecting it to be like, oh no, we've been duped. Can we talk for a minute about Malekith's, uh backstory? Which is not at all covered in... Well, maybe a little bit covered in... I was like, what's Malekith's backstory? <laughs> so, <laughs> you he think... He was a time lord. <laughs> oh yeah, Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's oh. all I know about Malekith. <laughs> so um, Malekith's mother sold him for two sna- two sacks of snake livers and a half barrel of pickled toads. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> That's why he's so spiteful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> and you'd think. I mean, if we're talking about Loki's mother, right? If they, I think Cody kind of mentioned that. Ang- you know, who's Anger Boda in the in mythology and like the mother of monsters who was herself a monster and like flesh eater you know, how how are we humanizing these people <laughs> but also incidentally um Malekith wielded the casket of ancient winters which sounds pretty cool hmm. but it was just a box he'd <laughs> open like and it'd make have. everybody cold you know ah, and unleash sense. the cold of Niflheim that's like our air conditioning it- we keep our house pretty freezing at night. Oh, God. It's a problem. Yeah. Kind of just want to get one of those. We need to figure out how to program our air conditioning. Well, because we wake up in the morning and we're like... Uh, too cold to get out of bed. What the heck just happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why is our house so cold? You need to have, like, a mix between the Cask of Ancient Winters and, like, Mount Doom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Basically. Those can be the settings on your thermostat. Like, if we could name them. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if it would let us give a name to, like, the nighttime thing. Or, Scott, does that mean you're writing fan fiction about Malekith 
taking over um, Mortal. A prequel. It wasn't before you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Only a matter of time. Wait, so did you say... I might have just spaced out for a second. Did you say what you were going to say about Malekith's backstory? That was pretty much the high points. <laughs> Clearly I spaced out. Those are high points? <laughs> Speaking of cold things... Winter Soldier. Oh, Dude, excellent transition. transition. <laughs> I'm glad that we acknowledge the transitions <laughs> and like make them less transitionable. Which I had never noticed it's before so that Winter Soldier and Thor Two are back to back, which both have like a sort of villainous semi. Well, I guess I don't know. With with Captain America, we know that Bucky is like brainwashed. You know, whereas Loki, we know, has been in full possession of his faculties the entire time that he's been, you know. But they do kind of havoc. morph between good character, bad character, good character. Right, right, exactly. Keep snip, snap, snip, snap, snap. <laughs> Is that an office reference? Right yes. <laughs> no idea the effect that has on a man. <laughs> <sighs> do you know what we're talking You've about? You've lost me. <laughs> it's the most awkward episode ever. There was, a, I read a blog post or something not a blog post it was it's like 10 years since they filmed that episode oh. and it was one of the only episodes they filmed off location like, oh yeah it was in, in an actual apartment their apartment yeah yeah and they were like it was basically like it was fun but it was also just about as hellish as it looks in the episode because <laughs> they were all like crammed in there and it went on forever and that yeah so yeah if nobody is catching our reference it's the in the episode of the office where jan and michael scott have everybody over to their apartment and jan's got her candle room and they they break the tv they break the tv Mm -hmm. there's a saint Pauli girls neon sign you know if you look close enough you can see his george foreman in the living room oh god this should be in his bedroom (laughs) right right Anyway, and yeah. shows up with his nanny slash oh, God. girlfriend. Oh, yeah. yeah. So gross. It's purely yeah. carnal. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and then Jan starts dancing to her uh, oh, assistant's yeah. CD. Hunter. Took me by the hand. <laughs> <laughs> so Speaking of hands, so the Winter Soldier's <laughs> oh, That's good. Yeah, yeah. They're just trying to bring I us like back you. off of the office. <laughs> We are Groot? What? <laughs> we are Groot. So, yeah, I the Winter Groot. Soldier. Um, Mary, you're going to have to help out with the notes here. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, like... I thought you had something to say. and You're just trying to get us back on target. I'm trying to get us back on target. Stay on target. Let me find it. question. I can't remember. I can't remember when T'Challa was introduced. Was it Winter Soldier or Civil War? Civil it was Civil War. Oh, okay. And okay. right now I'm yeah, getting the Civil UN War and Winter Soldier mixed up in my head. Right. Because I remember there was a scene where... Uh, he was fighting Bucky, but that was Civil War. Right, that's Civil War. Okay. Yeah, and then so Bucky takes, you know, refuge in Wakanda, which they they fight in this one too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also Wait, some. Not, okay, no, he's talking about in Winter Black S- Panther, T'Challa, and Winter Soldier. Right. They don't fight in Winter Soldier. They do. F- who are you talking about? Oh, T'Challa. T'Challa. Sorry, I thought mm-hmm. you meant Bucky. Yeah. Bucky no. and Captain America fight several yes. times in the winter. Yeah, cold. a bit. Right, right, right. A couple times. Um, yeah. I mean, again, in this one, there's some references to PTSD. Um, that's just, you know, good, giving that, like, visibility and, and kind of normalizing, like, discussion of PTSD. 
Um, one, one thing that kind of bothers me, am I, wait, am I interrupting you in the middle of a no, crescendo? No, I was scrolling through my list. Oh, okay. So, so you know how the directors or like the, um, the creators of the movie reference Three Days of the Condor as like a major inspiration and everything like that? No. Have y'all ever seen Three Days of the Condor? It was like a 70s mm-hmm. movie, so it was before my time too, but it was a Robert Redford <laughs> Uh, like a conspiracy theory, you know. They go- referenced it? Well, in I mean, Robert movie? Redford's in the, right. you know, oh. and it is kind yeah. of like a, like a Manchurian candidate, you know, they where they've got a brainwashed um, political leader, you oh. know, that's like um, uh, kind of undercover, under the radar, and then until he assumes power, you know, he'll take over. And so it's like conspiracy theory and police state and post Watergate. But anyway, it's it's like no, that's not. This is the, the movies are very different. It's kind of a stretch to say uh, to you know claim that this really great movie, Three Days of the Condor, award winning and Winter Soldier, it's, it's kind of a little too superficial. And just to throw in having. Robert Redford in there. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, it it doesn't really. I don't. I don't think the comparison holds up very well. But it's neat, like that. I don't remember a reference to it. Or are you, are you referencing it, or you're saying they referenced? No, it? yeah, like mm-hmm. the directors, uh, or let's see, maybe the Russos. Um, they talk about it being um, a major influence. Word. Well, it certainly has, like, interesting ethical stuff as far as, like, or ethicals maybe, I mean, that, ethical is true, yeah. but also, like, sort of, like, uh, conspiracy right, <laughs> theory yeah. stuff of, like... I mean, Hydra uh, being kind of, like, infiltrated, one of the the highest branches of, of or highest uh, uh, levels of security in the United States, or even of the world, because S.H.I.E.L.D. is a worldwide organization, but the fact that Hydra came in and then was developing this weapon to neutralize threats before they even occurred. Which... Right? And and this was seen as a good thing, right, by some people. It's like, oh, we can neutralize terrorists before they even do anything, right? And then you can also neutralize you can turn dissidents. it on the other hand, t- turn it on its head, and it's like we can neutralize the people that are going to go against our agenda. Mm-hmm. So just kind of that idea of uh, of of even even going to the idea because they they reference at one point they reference uh, Stephen Strange, and mm-hmm. this is apparently happening before he became Doctor Strange. Well. The wizard, Doctor. Oh yeah, they reference. Yeah, they reference. They reference him as a potential threat, mm-hmm. right? Like not that he is a threat at this moment, but that he is a potential threat. And Dick and he's going brings up the argument, like you know, if you could go back in time, would you kill Hitler as a baby? Because Doctor Strange is pretty crucial to the saving of the universe and the Infinity. Just a little saga. bit. <laughs> Yeah, or, or we are so we are led to believe. Yeah. Well, and just that it is a real world possibility that, like, if if a Nazi like power came took over at this point, they would have so much more access oh, to yeah. mm-hmm. to our opinions, to what we say, in the privacy of mm-hmm. our homes, to mm-hmm. to where we are. Because, like, so we saw that movie, and then we saw 
not long after it, um, Kingsman? Kingman? What's uh, the name Kingsman. Of the Kingsman. The Kingsman. Yeah, which yeah. I would never watch again. No. But, um, <laughs> but that there's a similar concept in that, like, um, I actually don't remember it that well now, but I remember there was something with people's phones and stuff. Like that in... They could listen to your... In went, well, and also I think yeah. that they were, like, attacking people using their phones, weren't they? That that the phones they had at some point emitted a signal that would cause people oh. to be violent with each other. Yes. And That's when right. we saw Winter Soldier, I remember lying in bed that night, because I, I have that issue that I think a lot of mothers have that we agonize over every possible terrible thing that could ever happen in the future (laughs) and I was like it would be way easier instead of like targeting our DNA they could just target us based on where our phones are or they could even just I say they you know the horrible powers that that (laughs) be. Big brother. So she started pushing her phone further away from the bedside I was like they could just blow up our phones I forgot about that that was hilarious I'm pretty sure I woke Cody up in the middle of the night that night and like was Cody they don't have to shoot us. They could just, like, implant incendiary devices. In it's the in the phones, Cody. Yeah. Um, and then we watch Kingsman, and I'm like, see? Because you know, that's, you know, total real life right there. Man. It's but, your um, kids, Marty, your kids. Yeah. It was funny. I was listening to the Roman Circus podcast today. Yeah. And they Shout out about, to our, our friends, Zach Mabry. Shout out to our friends, Zach and Matt Baker. Um, and they were talking about that technology. And it was funny because uh, Zach had asked Matt about you know, do you use the facial recognition feature on your phone? And he's like, no, I don't, you know, I don't want them, you know, knowing my face. And Zach made a very good point. He said, do you think that they put this technology in all these devices and then give you the option to opt out of not being spied on pretty much? Right. He's like, you can turn off the features, but do you think that like denies (laughs) them access? Right. He's like, so really you're just denying yourself the convenience of the features. Yeah. Right. No, I, so I, I actually removed Facebook from my phone yeah. for the longest time, for, for months, right? And so all of my ads, when it, so my Facebook was on my iPad or on my computer, but all of my ads remained the same. And parenthetical thought, real quick, at some point in the last, like, two years, Facebook admitted that, yes, they had been listening to people when they yeah, had yeah. the app open oh, yeah. right. and were using what they heard to target people with ads. And it just keeps coming, so, more and more just keeps coming out about that. Right. right. So I, I removed it completely from my phone. And, and then, yet. And, and yet. And then I added the Messenger back just because for work they, they use Messenger. Right. And I was one. like, apparently it is because yeah. as soon as I added Messenger back, all of my advertisements got updated mm-hmm. to a random conversation Mary and I were having. Mm-hmm. Not over Messenger. Not over Messenger. Mm-hmm. In the car, we were talking about dentistry. And all <laughs> of a sudden, all my advertisements were about dentistry. And Facebook I was like, what the... Wow. Blank. Facebook yeah. reconstituted itself like the T-1000 from all the little pieces. Just grew yeah. back together. And I'm I know the they're listening to us right now, so my advertisement should now be about like conspiracy theories yeah. or something like that. <laughs> or, or down with Facebook or I don't know, something. I had... I had a woman reach out to me from like there's there's various like co-ops in New Orleans and we went to visit one and the lady who runs it texted me. I'm like texting her back like oh yeah we should meet and talk about, you know, whether this would work. Go over to Facebook and immediately Facebook is recommending her as a friend, a Facebook mm-hmm. friend. And I had just been texting her. Like you know, like I wasn't talking about her. I wasn't you know, we're not friends. <laughs> we well, we have all of the software now is all interconnected. So, I mean, Google, I mean, everything, it's all related. They're all selling each other data. 
Yeah. Um, so I remember the day I deleted the Facebook app, I was having a conversation with a friend at work. We were talking about pest control, and we were talking about Raid, like buying, you know, Raid for like roach, mm-hmm. roach spray. Raid. And stuff. Yeah. And so like that afternoon, I started getting ads for Raid, like in my Facebook newsfeed, oh, and I'm like, who on God's green earth <laughs> searches on the internet for Raid? Like, <laughs> there's no other way that this would have populated. Right. That day, I deleted the app and started using third-party apps. Um, yeah. Which it's not that scary unless a Hitler-like power happens. Back to the reality of the possibility of the Winter Soldier. That's that's when all the collection of data becomes like really scary. And and like I know this might sound weird, but I was reading uh, and well in the what you're reading segment, which we haven't done in a while. I've been reading, um, you know, one of the most uplifting books ever, The Gulag Archipelago. It's just wait, say that again. It's by nine times fast. (laughs) It's by Alexander Shulsonitsin, The Gulag Archipelago. It's like a autobiographical um, record um, of all the ways totalitarian Russia, Soviet Union, um, uh, imprisoned its um, political prisoners. Like, um, the Gulag was a series of prisoner-run prisons in the steppes of Russia, in the the bitter, cold, far reaches of Russia. And as Archipelago, because the the series of camps just kind of, uh, you know, went on on through Russia, like, you know, like the Archipelago of Islands. And, um, like, the... The book kind of talks about how um, the a lot of the, the prisoners that started inhabiting the gulags um, were the Russian soldiers that fought on the front lines and were captured as POWs because they um, like like Stalin wouldn't agree um, to these mutual treaties with um, uh, with Germany. Um, for the treatment of their prisoners of war. So the Russian prisoners of war were treated the worst of anybody. And the American prisoners of war would actually give them food because they were treated so poorly. And these guys, because they were exposed to Western capitalism, were all imprisoned when they came back home. And, You've seen too much. Yeah, and... And, uh, you know, it's, I'm making too long of a story out of this, but some of the surveillance techniques that they would use, um, they would monitor who stopped clapping first at, like, Stalin's speeches to, you know, to see who wasn't a true believer. Um, so the, the applause would go on for Stalin's speeches for hours afterwards, (laughs) and people would collapse (laughs) <laughs> not wanting to stop <laughs> applauding <laughs> it you know when oh, these tools God. i mean these are rudimentary tools mm-hmm. you know used by totalitarian regimes and now it it's far greater the scope the access they have now oh is yeah just insane and like this all, all the stuff we know like from the gulag um it came out because one man remembered it all and most of this would have been lost to, to history had this one guy not, you know, like, basically written the book in his mind with all the sources, all the um, events and dates, 
it would have been lost and That's and bananas. history could have you know would that be it'd be that much easier for history to repeat itself Anyway, sorry to go off on it. (laughs) No, but that's really, that's crazy. Um, Well, a couple of of other things from Civil War is, um, well, one just passing thing is that at some point, uh, Nick Fury says, last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye, which now that we've seen (laughs) Captain Marvel, (laughs) that that kind of is. (laughs) It's even more funny. Um. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Doesn't know what we're talking about. Um, Eyeballs. Uh, there's the whole scene. There were several like <laughs> there, eyeballs. There were several. There were several um, things that I thought had pro-life implications because I watch anything and I'm like, look at all the pro-life stuff. No, I'm uh, so glad you did because I'm like, oh, I knew there had to be something, but I don't know what it was. <laughs> well, there's the scene in the elevator where all the guys attack Captain America all at once. Mm-hmm. And one of them says, Captain, I just want you to know, this isn't personal. And then he attacks him. And then when Captain America finally has them all knocked out on the floor, he's like, it kind of feels personal. <laughs> and I was just thinking about, like, abortion, kind of like, that people are basically, like, sort of saying to the, the unborn, kind of like, it's not personal. <laughs> like, it's, like, this isn't about you. It's not you. It's me. Right. It's like, for for the unborn, it's like, it kind of feels personal. Like, it, like it affects... Yeah. It affects people, you know, it, it affects their lives and their ability to live their lives. Um, and there was also, um, okay, so you guys know the burning IVF clinic analogy? Are you all familiar? Yeah. yeah. That pro-choicers use? Like if you can save a, a baby or a Petri dish oh, kind of thing? Right, right, right. So it's it's a dichotomy. Cody, you tell him, tell, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. Oh, never mind, he's eating pizza. Um, no, I just <laughs> talked for like an hour, so you're good to <laughs> So, basically, the the scenario that's put forth by many pro-choice apologists is that you're in an IVF clinic that's burning down, and you have the choice to save a toddler or a Petri dish full of embryos. And you have to pick. You cannot save both for some reason. You can only save one. You have to pick. And um, First question is, what the hell is a toddler doing in the IVF clinic? Yeah, that's yeah, a great that's question. That's on fire. Right. Yeah. But... <laughs> The main thing is that basically their their conclusion, because most people say, okay, well, I would save the toddler. And aside from the fact that, like, for me, it would be like, well, I'm going to save the toddler because the toddler would experience pain and trauma, you know, whereas the embryos might not. That might be part of my thinking at the time, you know. Um, but even if, even if it was that for a fleeting moment, I as a person thought, okay, this toddler is more valuable than these humans in the Petri dish... What does my personal reaction in the moment of a crisis have to do with reality? You know, mm. like, they, they basically use it as because someone might choose to save the toddler, therefore, conclusion, logical mm. conclusion, the embryos in the Petri dish are not human or are not valuable. And it's like, okay, so Hitler would choose the Christian instead of the Jewish person. So, therefore, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that, the logic doesn't follow that just because of... Well, it's also the fallacy of the absurdium. You know, like, you pick this very crazy scenario that is never going to happen, and then right. say, and you can only do one thing. It. It's like, you never only have two options. Right. There, there's yeah, the a false multitude dilemma. of options, you know, that, to, to choose from. And to, to say that you only have the two options uh, is, is to, it's just ridiculous. It is. 
Well, so someone at some point came up with a response that I thought was brilliant. And um, it's just funny to me because it's kind of in Winter Soldier. Because so they're in the car when the Winter Soldier attacks it. And it's, um, what's his name? What do they call his new friend that he makes in Civil War? The one with the wings? Falcon. 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 So it's Falcon in the car. and Not to be confused with the Millennium Falcon. Right. <laughs> so it's Falcon in the car and Black Widow in the car with Steve Rogers and another guy who gets ripped out of the car and thrown off to the side, a Hydra guy. Um, so they the car is going to crash because Winter Soldier like pulled the steering wheel off. So Captain America grabs Black Widow and the Falcon and sort of jumps out of the car onto the shield. But then he has to let one of them go. So Falcon goes kind of tumbling over the pavement, whereas Black Widow, he's still hanging on to her. The analogy that a pro-lifer came up with was, okay, let's say you're in a similar situation and you can only save, there's there's a white woman and a black man and you have to pick one. Yeah. Congratulations, you're either racist or sexist, you pick. Yeah, sure, sure. You know? Or you're and Captain America. Like Captain America. And just, right. so when we were watching, I was like, this is the burning IVF response. You know, like, just That's because... Good. E- That's really good. There is no winning answer. Right, right. Even if you were in a situation where you had to choose, it doesn't follow that the one you didn't pick, it doesn't follow that you don't love that one or value that one as much, number one. It also doesn't value that even even if you did value one more, it doesn't follow that therefore they are less valuable. Well, there's That's also, what, you know... In, in even Captain America's scenario, he grabs them both, pulls them both from the vehicle, and decides, like, at a certain point, I have to let go of one of these. Of course, he's going to let go of the one that has more armor on. He didn't have armor on. He didn't have armor on? No. Oh, well. He's a, he's a man. He can take care of himself. He's a man. <laughs> he's a falcon. He can Basically. fly, for God's sake. No, nope. Captain America's racist and ba- thinks that black people don't have value. No, it's Or it's he figured ridiculous. that he would be the one more likely to... Role Black Widow or is a I, I know be a woman, but this is just who can you handle know? her sex. Like because with the, uh, the 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 story, the toddler in the petri dish, you can carry the toddler and then throw him out the door, you know, and still have the petri dish. This is kind of what I'm getting at. Like at a certain point, the toddler can take I care. I always of figured. I always figured it was that like they're at opposite ends of the building or something. Right, yeah. right. is how I always thought of it. I've heard it said before, like, you know, you're holding two over the side of a skyscraper, you know, can only catch one or something. Right. Right. And, I mean, not to say this is a cop-out, but the whole argument around frozen embryos is a different conversation. Um, I mean, because even recently we had, so the the local OB doctor here that's very well-known within the church community uh, did a lecture on medical ethics and the one question I wanted to ask him um, because I took a class at the TUP Institute about sexual ethics and this was actually one of the biggest conversation topics in our class was about frozen embryos and you know it's tragic that they are there you know but what do we do with them and so the unpopular opinion um is to thaw and let them die a natural death and give them a Christian burial. Because there is an initiative called the Snowflake Baby Program. Right. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. the yeah. other snowflakes. Right. Um, where, you know, people can, quote-unquote, adopt an embryo, have it implanted, and then try to carry it to term to give that child a chance at being born. Um, but the church has never condoned that practice. 
um, and actually has several arguments against it. Right. Uh, and so, you know, the unpopular opinion is, again, to let them thaw and die a natural death and then have a Christian burial. I guess the, and, uh, the only... Sorry, just the only hesitance I would have is what if at some point the biological parents have a come to Jesus moment? Right. You know, which I realize we don't think it's moral sure. for them to be doing this at all. But <laughs> but once the embryos exist, if they did want to have them implanted at that point. Sure. That you know what I'm saying? Like that well, would be my only yeah, worry about the legal aspects of a biological parent, you know, intervening and in Regaining parental rights can be really tough, too. Yeah. Which, I, that wasn't meant to dismiss what you said, Colby. Just no, just sure. that I'd be sitting there being like, at what point do we, you know, like, do we call it to an extent, you know? Right. Well, the lady that had asked the question, um, you know, apparently did not agree with his response. And so she kept trying to push the issue. And uh, he professionally dismissed her. It was like, we feel like to talk about it after we can. Um but uh, I know a couple that have participated um, in that program, mm. and it was challenging for them because uh, I think they had adopted five or six embryos. Um, were all implanted, one took. She did carry to term. However, there were, you know, several issues where the the child developed um, with a lot of you know, life-threatening issues. And so once she was out, I think she lived for a couple hours outside of the womb. Mm. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. And so to them, I mean, it's a very special moment, you know, because she carried her to term. Um, and they they claim her as their daughter. Right. Um, Which I think there was a point where the church hadn't said as many negative things about it as they have now, so it was kind of more... Well, like, like St. John Paul II, he was not as publicly can you know against it right so i think he made statements to the effect of like it can be considered an act of charity right he didn't say go do it because it is charitable yeah he said it it can be considered an act of charity right mm-hmm. um, versus so that, that a lot of couples office. a lot of couples that did it were doing it in good faith kind of right. thinking you know not not trying to fly in the face of what the church was saying right and I, I think that, the church still hasn't prohibited it, have they? Or that it's more just that it seems like that's kind of where it's heading, or am I mistaken? Well, there are, um, I mean, there's one letter that specifically addresses it, is it's a, you know, Dignitas Personae um, and Donum Vitae, uh, the gift of life, where it's kind of a reflection on, you know, some of the issues that have come up since Humana Vitae with the sexual revolution, and um, in particular health and human dignity. Um, it does, I think, have two paragraphs that specifically address it that say, um, you know, but again, I think they kind of also toss in that in the context of it's within the sphere of IVF. And so, you know, the, the moral question is not about, you know, adopting these children, but it's that, you know, these children were brought to life through illicit means. Um, and that's that's a tricky conversation, right? And so the even within the sphere, like I guess going back to our original, you know, hypothetical scenario, like even within our sphere, the moral conversation about frozen embryos is still being had. 
Yeah. Right. Not to say Which that is, they're not children. Right. But it's like, what do we do with them? And I was just going to say that, like, of course, children conceived in rape also, like, an illicit means of... Maybe illicit's the wrong word, but yeah. not a... Not how children are meant to be conceived, <laughs> you know? Still human, still valuable, you know? But once that's happened, it's nothing else illicit needs to happen for that child to be brought to life. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, right. the pregnancy exists. It's... If, if nothing is done to stop it, it'll continue, you know. Um, whereas here, part of the concern is that essentially you're participating in the culture and in the practice of IVF by, right. you know. Well, and, okay, and, I mean, y'all, I'm, I'm assuming, have 